and welcome to another bumper episode of the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line with me, Vernon Kay. We're picking up where we left off the last series and bringing you even more exclusive interviews this summer. And today we've got yet another insightful conversation for you with one of England's key men. Last holiday I went on, I took a Pokemon colouring. Oh, okay. Yeah, just kind of try and make it really neat. I like yeah. shade around the outside and do it like light, light, light shadow in the middle. So it's, yeah, it's good. And what do you do it's with them when they're done? Just look at them. This time, England centre and playmaker Henry Slade graces the pod with his presence. He takes up a lot of my, a lot of my spare what time. What sort of dog is his cockapoo? Nice. He's a good lad, mate. He's a good lad. Is he your he's best got... mate, would you say? Is he up, up yeah, there? He's up, he's, he's yeah, he's up there. He's like basically like my son. As well as getting to know Slady a little bit better, we'll learn more about the Red Roses' Vicky Fleetwood. I do get people kind of saying, oh, why are you always posting about your food? But that is kind of one of my big loves, so uh, I probably would eat anything, to be honest. <laughs> Plus, England lock Abby Scott gives us a sample of the soundtrack to her life. When I listen to that, when I think about that, I just like to think about my friends, my family and... Who doesn't love Van the Man? But first, let's get into Henry Slade, who sat down with our man in camp, Paul Bunker. Tell us about Henry Slade, the young man growing up in Plymouth. What's your earliest ever memory? I think my earliest memory is just eating worms with my brother. <laughs> um, I actually don't remember much from that sort of age, do you? But like, yeah. yeah. Just stuffing each other's faces with worms. Delicious. Yeah. A new, very nutritious snack. So I've been told as well. So you grew up in Plymouth. Is it farming stock, right? Farming yeah, community. Yeah, yeah. What was that like growing up on a farm? Uh, I didn't actually grow up on a farm. My, it's like my grandparents, my uncles, aunties, they're all farmers. So I guess in like summer holidays, winter holidays, I got to go out and well, I got shipped off from mum and dad. They, they sent me to give that lot of hand on the farm. I did most of it with um, Uncle Johnny, he's a sheep farmer. So I don't know how many miles or hundreds, tens of miles, maybe hundreds of miles of electric fencing I've, I've laid out. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty tough. Has that ever been on the horizon for you? Clearly, you're an athletic guy. You like the outdoors. You know, it's all, you've got all the bits there. But has it ever yeah. thought at some stage, you know, like Tom Young's these days, he's plowing his trade as a farmer as well as a rugby player. Is it something that interests you? Yeah, it's not really for me. I mean, I'm happy every now and again to give it a hand and help. It's like quite cool when it's lambing season and stuff, doing a bit of that. that yeah. That's quite fun. Uh, tell us about your families. Though. You've got two brothers. Did you grow up in a sporting family? Were your parents into sport? Uh, yeah, mum and dad did sport. They like to do triathlons. Mum would always try and beat dad. I think she actually did beat him once and never let it go. So dad's been a bit ashamed since then. Uh, my brothers, all, we're all into sport. We all played rugby, football when we, when we were younger, a bit of cricket. One brother now, he's, he's at drama school in London. He's living up there. He's absolutely mental. He's doing what he's meant to do, I think. It's just <laughs> Made for it, eh? yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, other brothers at Exeter Uni, he's playing for the uni team. He's, he's a good little player, actually, um, but he, he just needs to put a little bit of weight on, so I'm trying to feed him up. He comes up mine every now and again. He lives just down the road now, so uh comes up mine for dinner every now and again, trying to get a bit of weight on him. Has there ever been anyone in your family, maybe not directly your parents, from an elite sports point of view, and has kind of maybe sort of mentored you or anything like that in your family? No, nothing like that in the family. Mum and dad have always been like really supportive, though. They've obviously come, they've taken me to every training session, mm-hmm. match everywhere. And I just can't thank them enough for all the stuff they did for that. And like they'd always come and, and watch. I can't remember when I was a kid playing a game or of anything that they didn't come and watch. Yeah. So like, it's, it's really nice to see them there all the time. Because obviously not everyone's parents did that, and for mine to do that was was, was awesome. Whatever we needed to do, they, they 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 whatever they wanted to do, they were sort of very supportive of that. I had, I had well, my best mate Leon Fricker. He lives with me now. He's he's just turned professional golfer. And his dad actually, we used to live right next to each other. And we used to be like, obviously best mates when we were kids, and they used to 
because we have so much energy, send us running. We lived like right at the foot of the moors. And there's this massive hill, or we call it, it's called the Beacon. I said, I don't know what tour it was, but like this big pole at the top of the hill is absolutely miles up. And they just used to make us race up there and back. <laughs> and like his dad or my mum or so, or mum and dad would be like walking up it and like, we'd have to like sprint up, come back, sprint up again. They're just trying to burn you out, just aren't trying they? Trying to burn us out, yeah. yeah. Give us an image of, of Henry Slade, the young man away from sport then. Give us an idea of kind of, were you into wrestling? Were you watching rugby on TV? Did you have a football team? Uh, I was into football when I was that age. Uh, David Beckham was my was my idol, so probably had a couple of posters of him. My first ever, I didn't buy it, but my first ever album I got given to me from my uncle, my father, my uncle Johnny, it was uh, Sum 41. Right, so yeah, that's not bad. That. Yeah. Could be a um, lot worse, can it? Could have been like been steps worse. around your time. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like that. Do you remember your first ever memories of when you walked into a rugby club because you would have played a lot of football at that stage and walked in and tried this different game, ball's a different mm. shape, people are a slightly different shape. But um, and do you remember your first ever thoughts of thinking, I love this, what's this all about? Yeah. So yeah, obviously, like I said, I played football and then I played a match on the Saturday. I think we played football on Saturdays then. Uh, I just went down to watch my brother who was playing... Uh, down at Ivy Ridge Rugby Club, which is a local mm. rugby club, and my age group were training next, like on the pitch next door. So uh, it was just a training session, wasn't a match. So I, I just went and asked if I could join in, like like the look of it, and then absolutely loved it. And well, I still I carried on playing football, but I think it was clear from early age, early age I preferred rugby to football. And then by the sort of time it got to like I don't know, fourteen, fifteen, you had to decide which to play because they both play on the same day. So I had no doubt in my mind I wanted to play rugby. So rugby's obviously been a, a massive part of your life. Well, one of the things that I would like to talk about is your diabetes. I know you've been quite brilliant and spoke about it previously. Can you tell us about the, the moment you found out about the diabetes and maybe those the immediate effect it had on you? Because I know for a lot of people that suffer from type 1, they can actually sort of, it can have a massive impact and can be quite negative on their life. But clearly for you, it's something that you managed to overcome. I actually had no symptoms of diabetes or anything when I found out. I... um. I had the flu one one day at school. Me and one of my best mates at school, Ollie Wace, he was called. He is called. Sorry, still still going, still knocking about. <laughs> um, we both had the flu same day, and then we had like the next day off school, and it was I think the next day was a Friday. So then we, I just came in thinking nothing of it. I'd chat, I normally would speak to him over the weekend, but just didn't for some reason. Came in on the Monday, and he said he'd been into hospital and been like really under the weather, or ill with all the symptoms you have with diabetes, like losing weight, thirsty, weighing all the time. And then he came to school a few days later and he had his little blood testing kit and everyone was just, like, obviously it's a new thing. Everyone's trying trying it out, like testing their blood. It's probably not very hygienic, but like <laughs> everyone, was, everyone was just testing testing their blood sugars. And mine was a bit high. I sort of was a bit concerned about that. Uh, and then I, I phoned my dad. He's like, oh, that's a bit, that's a bit high. We'll try, try again, let try again tomorrow. So I tried it again the next day uh, and it was even higher. Uh, I was like, oh no, something's, obviously something's wrong. So then I, my mum came and took me to... So the doctors did a test to me. Like I had to drink like a sugary drink and then see how wait a couple hours, see if it sort of gone mm. back down. It hadn't, and um, yeah, they said I had diabetes type one, um, which was obviously pretty crap news to receive. A couple of days before my A level started as well, so it was not the best timing. Um, but I think first off, I was just obviously gutted. It obviously, didn't really really hit me for a little while. Um, because I didn't have any symptoms I and I wasn't like, I don't think I was like fully diabetic. I think, I don't know if that's a term. I was mm. like getting there. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if, yeah, if, yeah, I, yeah. if I'd waited and, and not find out for another month or two, maybe I would have had the symptoms. But mm. like, I think because I was getting there, I didn't really 
have it and it was a bit of a weird feeling like why do I need to be having an injection yeah. if I feel alright gradually started getting more and more and then I was eventually like diabetic yeah if you want yeah. to say all that I mean as if being a teenager doing your A-levels clearly yeah. you're into rugby and progressing as well I mean those are enough to be dealing with anyway then you've got to deal with this as well and yeah. a very and a big change of life so can you remember how you, you felt around those times yeah it was it was difficult uh, actually my, my dad's got it Mm. dad's got diabetes but apparently they say it's completely unrelated because I think if you get it when you're younger there's more chance of you of it being hereditary but he got it from stress or something when he was 31 so I'd sort of seen how he lived his life and obviously he did does all the stuff he wants to do mm. currently he has mum looking after him all the time and she's actually class with it um, for yeah. him but obviously it did affect it did affect things a lot especially at the start when getting used to things I mean I two weeks later or a week later mm. uh, whenever my exams are finished however long they took I think it's like three or four days after that I went up to Exeter Chiefs to start my professional career yeah um, start pre-season my first ever pre-season so it was a bit of a um, shock and a bit of stuff to get used to And um, but I had a lot of help from the from the guys at the club conditioning wise and physios and all that um, the doctors um, so they yeah they made it as easy as possible yeah it was it was definitely difficult getting used to like what levels to have yourself for training games and that yeah. and, and of course now the demands of being you know a professional athlete you know massive aren't they I mean the kind of the food you can eat the training yeah. you have to do and all those sort of things I mean clearly you won't know what it's like to, to be a guy who's doing that without diabetes because you've had yeah. it since you were 18 and stuff but can you give for us those of us who don't have diabetes an idea of how tough it is for you to sort of manage your sugar levels and how often you have to monitor them and how those work on a sort of daily basis with training, playing, etc. Uh, yeah, so obviously I think the main thing with it is just keeping keeping testing your blood as much as you can. And I'm, a lot of people have to do finger prick testing, which is is annoying, but it needs to be done. I think the more you can do that, the better. I think I, when I was doing that, I'd, I was probably testing myself between 10 and 15 times a day. And that's on top of the injections as well, which is you're probably having like sort of five, six injections a day, wow. how many times you're eating. But I now have in, in my arm, I've got a little uh, a continuous glucose monitor called like a, it's called Dexcom G6 or something. And it, it like continually measures my blood sugars and sends a result to my phone. So wow. like every five minutes it will send a result. And if mm. I'm fine, it just leaves me alone. And if it's going low or going high, it gives me a warning. Right. So it actually makes you feel much more normal. Yeah. 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 Um, but like that's it. If I'm if I'm getting, te- I don't know how many times every five minutes equates to in a day, but that's how many times I'm getting my blood tested. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's way more than a finger prick. So if you can get like a continuous yeah. glucose monitor, that's the easiest thing to do. Um, but in terms of managing yourself, all you got to do is you just keep checking your sugars and keep making sure they're fine. I've I always found like a uh, a bit of a weird one going into games. I always found I always thought that surely a, a half of rugby or a game of rugby would lower your sugar levels and so mm. I'd go into a game at say like 10 millimoles which is like a slightly high but probably alright if you're doing sport and I'd come in at half time and it'd be like 15, 16 it wasn't until I spoke to Chris Pennell who plays for Worcester he's also got type 1 diabetes and he uh, he said that he has a jab before the game and at half time because adrenaline actually spikes your, right. okay. spikes your sugars so it's a bit of a weird one to have to th- have to have a jab when you're at an alright level yeah. just so you don't but thinking you, you'll go low, but you actually won't. You'll probably just stay about right. I don't really, I don't eat any different to how I would if I didn't have diabetes. I try mm. to do. I try to be as live as normal life as you can. Just have if you do have carbs, you have have a jab for it. Mm. And obviously, there's things like if you go out for a meal, don't have a full fat coke. If you want to have a coke, have a diet coke or mm. a zero coke zero or something or any other brand. <laughs> um, 
But like, just, yeah, it's just little things like that yeah. you probably have to cut out, but it's not the end of the world. This is Jamie George and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. We'll be back with Henry very soon, but first let's find out more about England flanker Vicky Fleetwood and her life away from the field. She's joined by fellow Red Rose, Rachel Burford. So, to relax, people who know me will know that I like to fake tan, I like to do my <laughs> nails, I kind of like to do all the beauty regime kind of things. While the candle's burning. Yep. Yeah. Bit of so, mood <laughs> So, yeah, at night, to get me to sleep, um, I'll always have a candle on. Yeah, it's a bit of a ritual, I like to have a candle on before I go to bed. <laughs> it doesn't have to be scented, I just kind of like... It's the mood of the, the mood l- lighting. Flame. Yep. <laughs> Make yeah. sure you don't fall asleep with a candle on. Okay. <laughs> I like to get up really early in the morning. I always work better. Um, I like to get things done, get it out of the way. Kind of the... As long as you've had a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> coffee, you don't want to bump into her if she hasn't had a coffee. First, a coffee. But um, yeah, just kind of the saying that early bird catches a worm kind of resonates with me. Instagram, probably the biggest app that, that I use. Probably spend far too much time on it just scrolling through it, not actually even doing anything, just looking at what other people are up to. Um, Tell us about your Easter egg um, Instagram <laughs> post. <laughs> don't bring, don't bring that. It was a joke that she just won't shut up about. Uh, <laughs> just me or like the whole team? Yeah. So basically, you know, obviously everybody indulges, don't they? At Easter, they might have an egg or two. And um, Fleeto's like in the gym, you know, shirt off. She's posing with her six-pack being like, oops, I've eaten too many um, chocolate eggs. <laughs> Where she's sitting there with six abs poking out. We're all like, yeah, whatever. You didn't even touch a chocolate egg. <laughs> it was meant to be funny. It wasn't funny. It's just like, <laughs> come back to haunt me like every time anyone ever talks about Instagram. So <laughs> Every year Easter happens. Every year it's going to come It comes back. It comes back, yeah. But... I enjoy just flicking through, seeing what other people are up to. And because I enjoy being in the gym, I think there's a lot of really cool people that you can follow. So maybe not even people who are into rugby, people who are just PTs or CrossFit people or like whatever they're into for motivation and for inspiration. Actually, I quite enjoy looking at that from the gym perspective rather than just rugby. And I also, some of the rugby stuff that gets put on there is pretty cool as well. Yeah, that's probably my biggest like use of Instagram. As for my guilty pleasures, I think it's got to be chocolate. Um, I love chocolate, I love sweets, I love everything sweet. But I guess at the same time, like, food is my big love. I love all kinds of food. And whether everybody likes, you know, looking at food pictures, then go onto her Instagram. She does some pretty good sushi shots all the time. Yeah, I also do get people kind of saying, oh, why are you always posting about your food? But that is kind of one of my big loves. I'm pretty good at eating, but no, I think I'm, I'm quite good at, at cooking as well. Um, and I like to try new recipes and, yeah, try different things, different cuisines. And I, I love going out to eat, but then replicating things at home You're as well. You're quite a brave eater, aren't you? You won't like, like me, I'm like plain Jane. I'll just yeah, the same no, thing. I'll try, like, I'll try yeah. anything. I, I like most foods. There's some things that I'll, I wouldn't choose, but I probably would eat anything, to be honest. <laughs> can definitely relate to Vicky there. Thank you, ladies. More now from O2 Inside Line's Paul Bunker in camp with Henry Slade. Exeter Chiefs, club rugby, amazing few seasons down there. What I'd like to chat about is the relationship that you've got with the likes of Jack, Ben Moon, with Dickie and, and the crowd down there as well. They also come across a playing for England as well. What's that like 
that sort of kind of because you're all very tight as on it from the southwest you've got the whole Devon Cornish thing going on as well yeah. but you as a collective coming up from Exeter have achieved so much to play with England who are achieving so much as well yeah it's it's, it's good man I mean like we're, we're such good mates down, down at, well, we're good mates here but obviously you spend way more time with the boys at your own club and mm. yeah I think we're just really really tight together uh, I think that's something we've been building here and it's working really well and you can see all the positives coming from it but I think yeah down at Exeter we just we do a lot of stuff at the club together but we do a lot of stuff away from the club and there's obviously there's going to be like little groups of friends here and there that, that do more stuff away from each other but I think we've got a real good group of, of lads who are sort of similar age similar sort of circumstances mm. um, and like in, pretty much in the, in the team that, that hang around a lot together and we do a lot and I think you can see the relationships that we've grown off the pitch mm. trans, translating to on the pitch and it's, it's really, we're all good to play with I mean a couple of years ago when we won the premiership I mean to do that with like your best mates was such an unbelievable feeling like I actually can't I actually can't describe how good it was and the and the and the few days that, that <laughs> followed, followed after that was were unbelievable and yeah, yeah just that's why it's so disappointing this year to not get to do it again but I'm sure we'll get it's coming again. another chance it's yeah. coming undoubtedly uh, England debut in 2015 pulling on the England shirt your full England debut yeah. against France and Six Nations is that right? Uh, no it was in the warm up games before the World Cup uh, ok yeah. yeah that's right can you tell us what what was it like for you putting on that England jersey for the very first time can you remember when you kind of that would have been under Stuart right under yeah, Stuart yeah, yeah. as yeah. well and um, can you remember when you kind of got the call you kind of part of the build up and then when you're actually running out for that, your first falling. Yeah, game. so obviously, my first. Well, I've been in camp a few times, like the Six Nations and Autumns before that, um, but never played. And I then got called in for the uh, World Cup camp, and obviously, really pleased to, to have been in the initial 50, I think, that were there. Obviously, only 31 go, and kept getting whittled down. I, I was still there. I was like, bloody hell, I'm actually quite <laughs> close here. And then I never expected for a for a second to be to be in, there's so many good players, and then Stuart called me for a one on one and told me I was in the squad, and I was like, I was like, what, really? Like, <laughs> I, I, I can't say what I actually said. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was just yeah, so so happy to have that, and then well, actually that was after my debut, I think. Um, but yeah, the debut was unbelievable. I mean, before the game, they had a thing where you like you stand up and say what it means to you. I, I can't remember exactly what I said now, but it was all about you. Yeah just being overwhelmed with sort of emotion for your family and for your friends and everyone that's helped you and it's just it's, I think seeing your family and friends after the game makes you realise how much it means to them and um, it's really nice to come off and obviously not nice to see them crying but it's tears of joy <laughs> see the tears of joy see my mum and dad crying and um, I think it's just a way for me to say a thank you for them for yeah. all, the, all the hard work and all the travelling they did and things they gave up for me to be able to do it and that's really really appreciated those Sunday mornings in the heat yeah. and rain and the cold and drink the tea and drawing around yeah, exactly. all the parents are going through it so yeah. I, I often wonder uh, when you when you get that call up to play England senior team when I don't want to take them away from age grade rugby because you're on that pathway but there, there comes a moment when you get a call from the England head coach who yeah. says you're in the team who is the first person that you called to pass the news on to relay your emotions and your uh, Sure. Uh, 
I call my mum first time. Yeah. yeah, always do. Always call my mum first. Yeah. Well, now I got a girlfriend. I tell her first. <laughs> I tell her, well, mum, mum, and a joint call. Yeah, Maybe yeah, you yeah, could yeah. do a kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I get a conference call. Yeah. 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 And, and yeah, I just, told my mum first. And her reaction. I mean, you know, again, she. In some ways, it's not a surprise because you're on that pathway. But I mean, yeah. I can imagine the elation of being a parent when your child turns around. I think she just she says she just burst straight into tears, which yeah. is like obviously it's quite obviously nice to nice to hear in it that she. Yeah. Well, she cares a lot. She's my mum, but like, yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. It's fantastic, and we we are a bit short on time on the rugby part of things. But can can you tell us your favourite memory so far in an England shirt? Uh, I've got I've got a couple. I mean, obviously the first, your debut is is a massive honour, and I've touched on that and how, how special that is. I think my first Six Nations start um, against Ireland in the Six Nations. I think it, it took a while. I was injured. I obviously missed a lot, missed out on a lot of opportunities, mm. whether it was injury or. Um, form for the for a few Six Nations and finally got my chance to to start one and obviously it was a, a really good team performance out there and got a couple of tries myself so yeah that was definitely one I'll always remember. Hi, this is Dan Cole and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. Hi, I'm Abby Scott, and these are three songs that mean a lot to me. So first, 60, Don't Forget Your Roots. I listen to it pretty much every game day on the way to a game on the bus, and I just think about, you know, the bigger picture of rugby and everything that's gone into it and my family. Van Morrison, Crazy Love, that was my best mate's first dance song. I just think it's it's a great song, and when I listen to that, when I think about that, I just like to think about my friends, my family, and who doesn't love Van the Man? And then probably more recently, BB Rex is meant to be just for me. That was the last summer, like just loads of good fun. Um, I think it was played a lot of the time when I was just having a really nice, relaxing summer, enjoying a bit of time away from rugby. Some very strong choices there from England lock Abby Scott. Right, let's uh, check back in with Paul and Henry Sled. So Henry, we want to talk about life away from rugby tell us about your life what, what do you do to relax when you're kind of away from the game when you're back down in extra chilling out what, yeah. what what takes you away from the game what do you want to do I've got a dog called Frank he takes up a lot of my a lot of my spare what time what sort of dog is, is cockapoo nice he's a good lad mate he's a good lad be, I was strict with him when he, when he was a puppy and now like he's literally no hassle at all he's yeah. like I don't even have to walk him on the lead going anywhere yeah. like just stay right next to me he's, is he your best mate would you say is he up, up yeah, there he's up, he's, he's yeah. up there yeah. he's, he's like basically like my son yeah <laughs> Um, comes everywhere me. He comes in, into town shopping. He comes everywhere. Yeah, so I'd, I'd take him for walks, spend a lot of time with him. Obviously, got my, my girlfriend and, and the boys who are at home uh, in extra sort of area. So I spend a lot of time with them. Uh, in the summer, when it's nice, I play a bit of golf. Okay. I say yeah. my best mate's a pro golfer. Right. So, uh, what are you playing off? Uh, me, I'm like 16, 18. Uh, that's I'm, uh, still right. solid. So solid. He's off like minus four or something. Uh, okay, all right. So there's no. You no, can't go out with him and play no, with him though, can you? Well, it's quite nice. He gives you a free lesson, so. Right. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, you think it'll be a bit better having that many free <laughs> lessons? Um, and obviously play a bit of Fortnite. Yeah, of course. Any good? Any good? Uh, I'm all right. I'm not as good as Luke Cowan-Dickey. He's unbelievable. Isn't he like got a world ranking or something? Well, like he actually, him? at one point, not Fortnite, but with Call of Duty, I think he was number one in the world for some one of the games, one of the game modes. Unbelievable. Yeah. I think that surpasses any of his rugby achievements. I would you think say about that. how many millions of people, hundreds of millions of people play Call yeah. of Duty and he was the best. I mean, he's a good hooker 
and he's a nice bloke, but he's yeah. he's obviously absolutely smashed that. Oh. He, you can do that as a job, right? I mean, yeah, I, I think he, that's maybe what he wants to do after he finishes <laughs> rugby. He's actually like be a professional Fortnite. He's so good, mate. Why not? Yeah, Why not? So, in the world of movies, you go to the movies. Anything you like to watch? Yeah, I'm actually thinking about going to watch the new Lion King this weekend. Oh, I like Harry Potter. Well, when it was out, Harry Potter's class. Whenever Harry Potter Channel comes on the Sky, I'm all over all that. Over. <laughs> Avengers, I like Avengers. Yeah. How important is all of that to you? Again, in the world of a professional sportsman, people who don't see you day in day out don't understand the rigors. Physically, yeah. they they know you're working hard, but mentally, yes. you know, kind of, it's a, it's a, an immensely tough sport to play and to keep focus for these long seasons. So, how, how do you manage your time? You know, in between games, when you finish training, when you get home, how do you decompress? I think that is a, a really big point. I think sometimes I try and stress to people that they don't actually really obviously they see how much you physically exert yourself mm. at weekend and obviously day to day but I don't think people realise how much of a toll it takes on you mentally I think being able to switch off at the end of a training day and go home and just relax is so important and that's like something I've learnt definitely from when I was a younger younger lad in the academy and stuff you always sort of think I'm going to do this I'm going to do that tomorrow I'm going to obviously it's good to be thinking about how you're going to be better tomorrow but like you have to, it has to be a point where you just switch off, else you're just going to burn out. The season's so long. You've got to find ways, whatever it could be. It could be going for walks, yeah. playing games, cinema, doing whatever, going for coffee with your mates or whatever. But you've got to find ways to switch off. Yeah. I think that's so important and something I've definitely learned to do. Because you think about like with the S&C guys, with the physios and stuff, you get rub downs, you get ice baths, you get yeah. all that acupuncture, all that sort of treatment to get the body conditioned. And the, the head, is, which is clearly the most yeah. important part in rugby in particular, isn't it? Is, exactly. is overlooked, isn't it? In some exactly. way it can be. Do, do you, are there any other things you don't do, like meditation, yoga or anything like uh, that? Sometimes do a bit of yoga. We used to do it every week, actually. A few of us lads in Exeter, but we actually stopped. We need to get back to it because it was actually really good. But I also, I like to do colouring. Okay, so I do, yeah, yeah. I do a bit of colouring, especially especially when I'm holiday. I take a colouring book, yeah, some pencils. And what is it? Because like the adult, I'm assuming it's an adult one. You're not doing pictures of Dumbo and stuff no, like this, that. You... This last holiday I went on, I took a Pokemon colouring. Oh, book. okay, yeah, just coloured. And people will kind of think, "Oh, Henry said," but I'll tell you what it is: it's the mindlessness, yeah, of doing like, it. Is it's an activity? I've got a bit of OCD as well, so like I'm trying to make it really neat. I like yeah, shade around the outside and do it like light, light, light shadow in the middle. It's just, yeah, it's good. And what do you do with them when they're done? Just look at them and then go to the next one. There's so many pictures in those books. Yeah. Go for hours. When you look back, when you're old and grey, and you maybe have like a little gallery up yeah, downstairs, you have your England yeah. shirt, and there's a couple of there's Pikachu know. on the side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be absolutely brilliant. Hi, this is Mario Tojo, and you're listening to the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line. Henry Slade, we've got some quick-fire questions. So these are meant to be like one-sentence quick-fire answers. Yep. Uh, let's see how you get on. Here we go. Question one. If you could only hear one music track ever again, what would it be and why? Mm. Guitars and drums, something a bit poppy, something a bit classic, something, you know, Fleetwood Mac. It's not very really quick-fire. No. I don't know. Scar Tissue by Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, that's a good tune. Yeah. Uh, question number two. What would be your dream sporting ticket and why? I'd like to go to the NBA. Like yeah. the finals, it's like say it's game game seven, three all pitch side, ringside yeah, seats, ringside, whatever on that yeah, bench there, just sitting yeah, there next nice. to Jay Z. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, what's your favourite place on earth? Havar. I should know Vegas. Really? Yeah. Class. Just keep it. Yeah. Uh, keep yeah. it all like really low key. Yeah, and humble yeah, yeah, Vegas. Exactly, exactly. Uh, who school, would play yeah. you in a movie? Brad Pitt. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've said that before. We laugh and. 
I, Matthew McConaughey is quite cool. Yeah, you've got a bit about that. Matt McConaughey, I could see that. If you could swap bodies with another person in the England camp for a day, who would it be and why? Dan Cole. No, that'd be ridiculous. <laughs> Maybe like Ellis Genge or like uh, Billy, just to see how easy it is to sit boys down when you carry. Yeah. It's so how easy rugby is when you're strong. Yeah. Imagine that. Just for, just for one yeah, day, though. Like Johnny May, see how easy it is when you're quick. Yeah. Like just to be athletically gifted would be fantastic. Oh, mate. Come on, come on mate. Come on. Look, like, look at the proper, rest of us. But like you? properly athletically gifted would be unbelievable. Hey, you need, I'm, yeah. I mean, imagine being us. Uh, <laughs> what's the best advice you've ever been given? My granddad used to say to me, don't kick short. He used to watch me as a kid and I was playing 10 and I, I restarted, didn't go 10 in the Devon Cup final and he, he never let me forget it. And ever since then, he just told me don't kick short. Who makes you laugh in, in most in the England camp? Uh, probably Genji. Actually, Harry Williams is pretty funny, but I don't like to tell him because it goes to his head. But yeah, Genji's pretty funny. Brilliant. If you could have uh, any three people, dead or alive, over your place for a sit down, who's it going to be and why? Um, we'll say like Cristiano Ronaldo because he's class and I just want to like meet him. Yep. Touch him. Oh, that's touching. I think we all would. Um, I have to go for Margot Robbie. I don't know who else. Maybe like Jimmy Carr or something. There we bring, go. Bring the, bring the humor. Yeah. yeah. Nice setup. Uh, when was the last time you were starstruck? Well, the last time I can think of was the first time Johnny came into camp to do like kicking with, with us afterwards. Like, obviously, he was my idol when I was growing up. And he was actually here. I was like, what do I say to him? how do I do I shake his hand like, what do I do and I was like kiss clammy him. I was all clammy I yeah. wanted to kiss him didn't kiss him um, probably should have but it's been an amazing insight I think we all know so much more about it and thanks for being thanks so right. honest and candid thank you very thanks much on. thanks very much cheers, cheers mate so that's it the inside line on Henry Slade big thanks to Henry as well as Red Roses Abby Scott Vicky Fleetwood and Rachel Burford if you enjoyed that, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, please, so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes in this brand new series of the England Rugby Podcast. And if you're new to the pod, you've been missing out. So listen back to our iconic chats with the likes of Joe Marler, Jamie George, Jack Knoll, and the gaffer, Eddie Jones. Just search the England Rugby Podcast with O2 Inside Line on Aircast, iTunes, or wherever you get your pods. That should keep you busy until next week, and then we'll be back with another exclusive interview from inside the England camp. We'll catch you then.